Corporate worship is giving ourselves and our resources for the betterment of the body of Christ. The function of the church is worship. The function of the church is worship. Our relationship with God is both public and private. And we are called to worship God publicly and privately. Publicly, we're called to worship God by our presence in this building. It's our public testimony of how great God is in our lives. God wants us to be transparent and open and worship among His people publicly. Your attendance here this morning is an act of worship. Thank you for listening to the Calhoun Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Mark Abbey. Brother Mark preached from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 in his sermon titled, Worship and the Church. And now, Brother Mark. We've been talking about worship the last two Sundays, and we're going to talk about it again today. I've entitled this message, Worship in the Church. The first uh, Sunday we talked about it, we described what worship is. Then we talked about worship and God's work and how God opens our eyes when we worship Him so that we can see where He's at work. Today I want to talk about worship and the church. I want to use the text from 1 Peter 2.9, and I'd ask that you might stand as we read out of God's holy scriptures, 1 Peter 2.9. says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray this morning that every word would be seasoned with your grace, that your spirit would take the words of your book and write them on our heart. Hide me behind the cross this morning, Lord. Forgive me of every inequity that I may lift you up in this place, that we might worship you in spirit and truth, because you are worthy of all of our worship and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to paraphrase that text, if you will, and I would paraphrase it by saying, but you, church, you are God's people who are called to worship Him and serve Him who saved you from your sins and eternal darkness. That's what he was saying in that passage of Scripture. You, church, are God's people who have been saved by Him, so why would you not want to come into His place of worship and worship Him with His people, the church? The church was established by God for corporate worship. And the result 
of this is, dis is discipleship and evangelism and ministry. The church building does not worship God. It's just a building. It's God's people called the church who worship him. It's the place where God's people come together and they testify of how great God is in their lives and in the lives of those who are called by his name. So what does corporate worship look like? And what does God want us to do in worship? The worship of the church manifests itself in coming together as a body of believers. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 said, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let's keep what God has given us, that blessed hope that he sealed us with until the day of salvation and not waver from it. Let's not turn to the right. Let's not turn to the left. But let's just stand upon that blessed hope knowing that he has saved us and we don't have to go back and do that all over again. Once you're saved, you are saved eternally forever. You don't have to redo your salvation. So I'm so glad this morning that that is the case. Otherwise, the knees of my jeans would be wore out because I would constantly be at the altar asking for forgiveness and salvation over and over and over. But God saves us, and he expects us to move on from that point and go out and serve him in the world where he's called us to work. We are the church. He says, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. God, I'm so glad this morning that God has me. I'm not hanging on to him. He's got a hold to me, and he don't let go. He is faithful. He will not leave us. And so he has promised to be faithful. So let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works and not neglect to meet together. You see, God has called the church into this place to become one body and to meet together and to fellowship together and to love one another. We need to be encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that day, amen? Here in the world, we're here in the word, we're commanded to come together as one body to worship God, to encourage one another in the ministry, and to love one another. The church is the bride of Christ, who is to be unified in service to God and corporate worshiping God wherever and whenever you can. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is talking to disciples here. He's saying, you, church, love each other in the church. Love one another so that when people see your love for one another, they will know that you are God's people. And that's what the church is called to do. Sometimes it's no wonder folks don't want to come to a church and worship with us. After they see us bickering and fighting and arguing amongst ourselves and no love for the brethren, I wouldn't want to come either. Amen? The church is commanded to love one another the way Jesus loves us. How did Jesus love us? He laid down his life for us. That's how much he loved us. 
Here Jesus' command is that the church love one another in such a way that anyone coming in from the outside would recognize the church as God's people by their love. They'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, we're, we're supposed to love all people, amen? We love our enemies, Jesus said. We love all people, but you are to love the house of God even more. One way we can love one another in corporate worship is that we serve one another. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In Galatians 6, Paul it says, If we see a fellow believer caught up in sin, go to them and help them get right. Gently. Bear one another's burdens. Be a hard worker. And work hard for the good of the church. Disciple one another. And encourage teachers by growing in the faith. You know, if you go to a class, Sunday school class every Sunday, and you never grow, what does that say to your teacher? You need to grow in the faith. You need to dig in. You need to study your lesson. You need to come prepared so that you can get everything out of the lesson that God has for you that day. And as your teachers prepare and they teach you, they will see you growing in the faith and they will be encouraged by that. Disciple one another and encourage teachers. Do not grow weary in doing good, he says, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Although we should serve unbelievers also, in the context of this verse, Paul is not commanding us to serve the world. He's commanding us to serve those in the church, fellow believers, to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. John is talking about spiritual fellowship with other believers. If we walk in the light, we seek out other believers whom we have fellowship with. We have something in common because we're both saved by the blood of the Lamb. Similarly, Paul wrote, accept one another in Romans 15, 7, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another in love in Ephesians 4, 32. Believers are commanded to come together in worship and fellowship with one another. Throughout the New Testament, and the early Christians met together to worship, to learn, and to share their lives with each other. In Acts 2, 41 through 47, we see the very first church. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't it be great if we was here in church, and all of a sudden we was worshiping and praising God, and God added to our numbers 3,000 souls? Amen. That would be a revival. Praise God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. What does the church do? They devote themselves to one another. They eat together. They pray together. They fellowship together. They teach each other. They do the things that God has called them to do in his word. And when they did them things, it says, all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done throughout 
through the apostles, and all who believed were all together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers every day. You want God to add to our numbers? Do them things. And God will add to our numbers. Here is the very first church, the body of believers numbering over 3,000 souls who were disciplining, disciplining, discipling one another, who were fellowshipping with one another, who were eating together, praying together. They were worshiping together. God had performed many, many miracles and signs in their midst. They were in one accord. God was continuing to add to their numbers. And they worshiped God, and the more they worshiped God, the more God added to their numbers. You see, worship is the key to everything else. If you want to see God do something, just worship Him. If you lift Him up, He will draw people. If you lift Him up, He will be first in your life, and the rest of your life down through your family, through all your friends and everything, will all go well because God is first and foremost in your life. And the same is true of the church. If we lift Jesus up in this place, if we lift God up, God will do great works and signs and wonders among us. Everywhere Paul went, he raised up churches. God's church and God's will for the church is for believers to come together in corporate worship and share their faith and their zeal. The church is called to give and not to get. Oh, we get this so backwards. I've heard many times says, I just don't feel like going to church because I don't really get anything out of it. Well, you come for the wrong reason. The church isn't to get, it's to give. You come to church to give your worship. You come to church to serve one another, to give love to one another, to, to give of yourself that others might find Jesus somehow. The church is called to give. We don't come to church on Sunday to see what we can get out of being together. We come to give our worship to God, to teach the word, to give ourselves and our tithes and our offerings, to give food to eat, to give our prayers for one another and our leaders to love each other. Corporate worship is giving ourselves and our resources for the betterment of the body of Christ. The function of the church is worship. The function of the church is worship. Our relationship with God is both public and private. And we are called to worship God publicly and privately. Publicly, we're called to worship God by our presence in this building. It's our public testimony of how great God is in our lives. God wants us to be transparent and open and worship among his people publicly. Your attendance here this morning is an act of worship. If you were on a baseball team and you only met with them secretly behind closed doors and on game day you never showed up, you would never benefit the team, nor would you benefit yourself, nor would anybody know whose team you were really on. Not only that, 
your loyalty might be questioned at times. The worship of God is confirmed by our presence here. Our prayers, our praise, our preaching, and our discipleship. If you don't show up to worship God with the church, then you're not obedient to God. And you're not obedient to His Word. And you're attacking God's church. You're either for God or you're against Him. And if you're for God, why don't you do what you're asking come to corporate worship? Our text says that we're called to declare God's praises. Our worship to God is confirmed by our praise. Singing together is part of corporate worship to God. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speak to one another with psalms. How would you like it if I come and I said, How are you this morning? I'm so glad to see you, see you, see you, see you, see you. You know, that'd be like coming together and, and talking to each other in these psalms. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Ephesians says. Music is an expression of unity and agreement on how worthy God is to us and being thankful for all that he's done for us. Psalms 33, 1 through 3 says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the guitar. I mean the harp. (laughs) Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music with him on the piano, the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully. Do your best. Play. Sing. Do your best to praise God because he is worthy of all of our praise. Amen? Amen. We learned last week that worship goes deeper than just a song. It's an expression of the heart. It's a, it engages our mind and our thought processes. Our worship to God is expressed in prayer. When we speak to God, we speak to Him of His greatness, His holiness, His wisdom. We talk and ask for His power. We praise Him not only in the poetry and song, but we praise Him in prayers with our tongue. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our worship is found in the church by the reading of His Word. We publicly read His Word. We are saying that the Word of God is truth. And His truth is good for reproof, correction, and daily living. It's the basic instruction before leaving earth. The Bible is our ultimate authority, the basis for everything we do. Our sermons and our songs should be based upon biblical truth. God's Word affects our lives and our thoughts. It demands a response from us. It requires our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And we love, as believers, we love the Word of God. Our worship of God is found in communion and baptism. We worship in the partaking of the Lord's Supper together as we remember the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. And we worship and we celebrate new life as we witness baptisms, a public testimony of what God is doing in people's lives. Our worship extends 
to what we do throughout the week. Worship can change its location. It can change its format. But our worship should never change who we worship and when we worship. We should worship every day, all the time. As part of the church, you're called to worship every moment of every day, no matter where the church is or who the church is with. You should always glorify God in all things. Our worship is found in spiritual disciplines, in meditation and fasting and generosity and celebration and ministry. Church attendance and giving are also spiritual disciplines, whereby we honor God for his divine protection and blessings. Faith leads to worship, and worship manifests itself in our obedience. And obedience is found in the outward expression of worship of the church. The worship of God is found in ministry. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to ob observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Colossians 3.16, teach them to admonish one another with all wisdom. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. People who are learned and well-grounded in God's word should be teachers and pass along the truth. Paul commands every Christian to teach. Our worship of God is found in exercising the gifts that God gave us when he saved us and equipped us for ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God has given us different roles as his people. We are the church. And we are to use the knowledge, the skills, and abilities that God has given us to worship him. And if you're an apostle, go out and worship God by apostatizing. If you're a prophet, go worship God by prophesizing. If you're an evangelist, go evangelize. If you're a teacher, go teach. And if you're a preacher, by all means, preach the word. You may say, Pastor, I'm none of these. But I say, the word says you are. Your job is to figure out which one and go worship God with what he's given you. Not only did God give us specific roles to worship him, but he gifted us with special gifts through the Holy Spirit to worship him in the church and ministry. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaketh by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There's different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but it's the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the Spirit, to another gifts of healing 
by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For the body is one that has many different members, or different functions, if you will. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one in Christ. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we've all been made to drink of the same Spirit of God. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And now some humor from Paul. If the foot should say to the hand, I am not of the body, therefore it is it therefore is not of the because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, it's therefore not of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Can you imagine a six foot eye <laughs> with no ears? Or he says if the if the whole body were an ear, imagine a six foot ear with no eyes. <laughs> Some humor. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor to the nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather these members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less are honorable. And these we bestow greater honor, for our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part of the body which lacks it. And there should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice. And if you are the body of Christ and members individually, God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and that miracles and then gifts and healings and helps and administrations and variety of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Paul is saying that we all have different functions in the church. We all have different roles, but we are all one body. We're all doing the same thing for the Lord Jesus Christ to share the glorious gospel with those who have not heard, and to disciple one another in his word and his ways. And that is what the church does in worship. In conclusion, it's not good for a Christian to be alone. Why? Because we all need one another, and we all need Jesus. Ecclesiastics 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls, and no one is there to help him. 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three is not easily broken. By working together, we help one another grow. You may be out there listening to this message today on live stream, or you might listen to the podcast, and you're justifying in your mind that you can worship in the privacy of your own home just fine. That's okay, but that's not biblical. God calls us to worship in the place of worship. He calls the church together in one body to worship Him. Many people put on masks and they hide their needs from others. If we're really going to help one another, we have to take off the mask and let others know where we have need so that they can pray for us, so that they can minister to us. Most of you who have heard this message are faithful to the church. You are the church and you're doing a great job. I want to applaud you this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing the work that God has called you to do. Thank you for doing above and beyond what God has called you to do and picking up crosses that are left laying in the church. It's not your job, but somebody's got to do it. Amen? Most people who are listening to this message are doing a great job. However, I would like to address people that are not here among us anymore. I don't know your heart. I don't know your hurts. I don't know your questions. But I do know that you're missing out on what God has called you to do if you're part of this body of believers. The biblical picture throughout history is Christians commanded to meet together regularly. And if you're not here, please come back. There's so much that God wants to do in and through you in this place, in His church. The church functions best when we all come together, love one another, and work together for His good. Would you stand and pray with me? Father God, I thank You for this hard message, but Your truth. Your word is good for correction and reproof. It's good for everything we need for daily living. And Lord, you call us to come together in corporate worship and worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, we are here this morning because we wanted to come and worship you. Please accept our worship. As you are our God, you saved us, and we are grateful. And we thank you for all that you do for us, for the many blessings that you give us, for your hedge of protection around us from the evil that is all around us. And Lord, every day we're reminded of how great you are. And every day we're reminded of how this world is going the way that you say it will in your word. And we know it's going that direction. But Lord, we know that you never leave us and that you're going to save us. Lord, we're fast approaching the end days. And I believe that we see that in your word. And I believe that you're coming back soon. So, Lord, I pray that the church would get strong. I pray the church would come together. Lord, I pray that we would do the things that you called us to do, that we would exercise the gifts that you give us to do your ministry, that we would see you adding to our numbers daily.
Lord, we pray for the lost in our community. We pray that somehow, some way, you would bring them into our path that we might be able to share with them the gospel, that they might find you because you've been looking for them for a very long time. Lord, this morning, if there's someone here that's heard for the very first time that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, that he wants to save them and take them to heaven someday, I pray that today would be this day of salvation for them. I pray that they would pray this simple prayer, that they would say, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I have sin in my heart and I want you to forgive me of my sins and make me new. I want you to save me and I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that you died for me and that God raised you from the dead and that you're alive and seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven and I want you to take me home someday to live with you forever. And if you prayed that simple prayer this morning, and you meant it in your heart, and you made Jesus Lord of your life, you just laid down your life and gave Him control, the Holy Spirit has come in your heart. And God calls you to make a public profession. Because if you're ashamed of God, He's ashamed of you. But if you're not ashamed of God, the angels in heaven are shouting and praising your name because you have been made a child of the King. During this invitation time that will be given is an opportunity for you to come and profess Jesus as Lord of your life. Maybe you're not a member of any local body of believers and God is calling you to join a, a body of believers and you feel the Spirit's moving you to become a member of this church and join us here in Calhoun as we minister to one another, as we love one another and as we share the gospel to this community. I pray that during this invitation time, you would come forward and, and make that public. This altar is always open. Now, it's my prayer this morning that if you have anything that you need to bring and lay down, that you would just bring it to this altar this morning and lay it before Holy God and say, God, here it is. And I don't want it anymore. And God will forgive you as you repent and move away. God wants to help us with our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. He wants us to be in recovery all the time. And if you have any hurt, habit, or hang-up, I pray this morning that you would just come and lay that down. And that you would say, Lord, I don't want to carry this burden anymore. Here it is. And God will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Lord, I pray that during this invitation time as members of your body, as your church, that maybe you've spoken to us and we just need to be, recommit our lives to you. Lord, whatever it is you want to do during this time, I pray that your spirit would move in our, our hearts, that we might move towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be singing page... 324. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you were touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. 
Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life, but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way, encouraging you to be active in the local church, and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you. However you respond, please let us know.